My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, and that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. There is a film director named Terence Malick who has a very peculiar style. And I think for a lot of people, his movies, uh, you either love them or you hate them. I happen to be a lover of most of Terence Malick's films. And I really enjoyed a movie that he put out earlier this year called A Hidden Life. Maybe some of you have seen it. It's the story of an Austrian man and his wife during the rise of Nazism, the Nazi regime. His name was Franz Jagerstatter. I don't know if my German pronunciation was very good there, but Franz Jagerstatter, who in fact is now blessed Franz, he was beatified uh, precisely because of his heroic life, his hidden life. And the story of the movie shows his conscientious objection to the Nazi regime. And so it's a beautiful story about marriage, about faith, but also in a very special way about the role of conscience. What is the conscience? Jesus, today, in these 10 minutes with you, we want to pray about the role of our conscience. And it's interesting how conscience has been described in popular culture. Of course, in A Hidden Life, Terence Malick is trying to glorify, in a good way, this figure, Blessed Franz, for his having followed his conscience, even when society was telling him otherwise. Another cultural example is, of course, the Disney movie Pinocchio, that wonderful Italian fable about the puppet, Pinocchio, who comes to life as a little boy. Uh, and one of the characters in the Disney movie is Jiminy Cricket, or Jiminy Cricket, who's that little insect who is always with Pinocchio, and he serves as like the little boy's moral guide, right? And so he's there kind of helping Pinocchio to do the right thing. And he tugs him away when Pinocchio starts to fall into sin. For example, when he, starts, when he, when he wants to attend that dreadful amusement park, Pleasure Island, right? Jiminy Cricket, we see him there, this little insect, kind of tugging Pinocchio away. No, don't go there. Don't do that. And of course, he sings that wonderful song, And always let your conscience be your guide. And that's the takeaway of the movie, right? Always let your conscience be your guide. When we speak of the moral conscience, it's always within this mysterious dynamic between freedom and the law, the law of God. Between our own subjective will, our free will, and the will of God, for us, the will of Jesus for us. And so, Jesus, we thank you for this gift of the conscience, for this moral voice that you've placed in our hearts. Well before we have been conditioned by any education or by societal norms, you have placed in our hearts this law. 
and this voice. It's what John Henry Newman, St. John Henry Newman, beautifully described as the aboriginal vicar of Christ. The aboriginal vicar of you, Lord, in our hearts. Today is the memorial of the passion of John the Baptist. We're presented with this figure of John. And, you know, earlier this summer, we celebrated the earthly birthday of St. John the Baptist on June 24th. Well, today, we honor the anniversary of his martyrdom, of his death, of his passion. You know, it's interesting, right? Besides our Lord and the Virgin Mary, St. John the Baptist is the only one whose birth and whose death are commemorated in the liturgical calendar. They're celebrated. Right, from the very beginning, this figure of John the Baptist was upheld by the early church. We could even say by the apostles. Because the passion, or the beheading, of St. John the Baptist, which we celebrate today, is one of the very oldest liturgical events on the church's calendar. In fact, John's birth, which again we celebrate on June 24th, may be the oldest feast that we know of, other than Holy Week. Along with the Feast of Holy Week, the original events of John's life are right there at the very beginning of the liturgical history. The church, from the very beginning, knew that John the Baptist had a special role in our salvation. Well, let's recall this story told to us in today's special gospel for this memorial. Herod was the one who had John the Baptist arrested and bound in prison on account of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip, whom he had married. John had said to Herod, It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Herodias harbored a grudge against him and wanted to kill him, but was unable to do so. Herod feared John, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man, and kept him in custody. Well, here we have the introduction to this tragic story, right, where Herodias takes advantage of a moment of weakness in Herod and demands that Herod offer, as a gift to, his, to her daughter, the head of John the Baptist on a platter. Now, why is it that both Herodias and Herod have this attitude towards John the Baptist? Right? It says that Herodias harbored a grudge against him, and Herod feared John. Well, because John was acting as the voice of conscience for these two people. John denounced King Herod to his face for divorcing his lawful wife and taking as his own Herodias, who was his sister-in-law, the the wife of his still-living brother, Philip. We can think that, we know, that John the Baptist died a martyr for the sake of marriage for God's vision for marriage, for God's desire for marriage. John stood up for the truth, not afraid of what standing for the truth might mean for him. In this case, standing for the truth meant his life. He was a witness to the truth. He was truly a martyr. And his life came to an abrupt end because he was acting as the conscience of Herod, the conscience of Herodias, and these two people in a sense, were unwilling to face their conscience. 
they suppressed this voice that was telling them the truth. In a way, it's like in the case of Pinocchio. When Pinocchio goes to Pleasure Island, he disregards Jiminy Cricket. In fact, he le- I think in the movie he kind of leaves Jiminy Cricket in the dust. Right? He abandons his conscience. But here we have something that's almost worse. Right? Herodias, especially, is a very tragic figure. Right? The, this woman who, we have to remember, is not a monster. Sometimes we think of Herodias as this sort of evil, uh, mythical creature who... Uh, is almost inhuman, right? She asks for the head of someone. But Herodias was a human being, right? She was a person who heard John the Baptist but did not want to accept him, right? And so she harbors this grudge against the truth. She harbors this grudge against the reality that she's living, right? And so she suppresses her conscience. She suppresses John the Baptist. Apparently, St. Jerome wrote that Herodias' rage was not satiated by the grisly head of her tormentor on a platter, but that she rapidly stabbed the tongue which had indicted her even after it was silenced. Right? That's a very gross image. But it says something, right? That Herodias' conscience was not appeased by removing John the Baptist from the scene, by taking him out. We can imagine that Herodias was haunted by her conscience to her very death. Right, that she rapidly stabbed that tongue that spoke out against her. Well, all of this is a kind of stark reminder, Jesus, of the need for us to listen to your voice in our soul, to listen to the voice of conscience, to form our conscience well. Because I'm sure each of you, my brothers and sisters, each of us has those moments when our conscience is speaking to us. And perhaps we too have had the temptation to disregard it or to pretend that we know better. To, in a sense, disregard the will of God for us and, and to go our own way. And when we go our own way, we lose this chance to be with you, Jesus. We lose this chance to live in your love. And so help us, Lord, to form our conscience well to not suppress it, to look for opportunities to form our conscience better by studying the law of God, by studying the moral teachings of the church. We can finish by turning to Our Lady, Mother Mary. You were like the opposite of Herodias because you were always so attentive to the will of God. We too want our conscience to be refined so we know always what it is that Jesus is asking of us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations that you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.